Good morning, everyone. I'm Marcy, and this is my co-host, Hillary. Welcome to Wake Up with Marcy and Hillary, a talk show with heart. I love, love that you have been with us all month. It has been incredible, and I can't believe that Christmas is in two days. I can't either, and that we're winding up the entire year. I know. Let me tell you, the journey together has been so fun. I'm loving every bit of it. So... Listen, we have an incredible lineup for you today filled with inspiring guests who will help us navigate through some challenging topics. But first, I want to talk about how we are feeling with the holidays just around the corner, two days as a matter of fact, and some traditions. What are like maybe one or two of your favorite traditions? Oh, I would say we always do Christmas carols together mm-hmm. as a family and 12 days of Christmas and everyone gets there and everyone is jockeying for you know what they had last year so yeah. super fun and we always have a group where we get to stand up and do a toast mm. and each one of us goes around and kind of highlights the end of the year of That's what we really, really like. I like yeah. that a lot. All right so we are starting off the show with a very special guest Dr. Letitia Wright, she is the executive producer and host of Wright Place TV, a show that focuses on entrepreneurship and success, which you know I love. Yes. Dr. Wright will be sharing her expertise on how to pivot in the new year. And with everything that's happened in the past few years, many of us are looking for ways to actually adapt and make positive changes in our lives. Next, we have Julie DeLuca Collins joining us. Julie is an expert in building confidence and will be sharing her habits of increasing self-assurance. Confidence is something that many of us struggle with and Julie's tips will be incredibly valuable for our viewers who want to step into the new year with a renewed sense of self-belief. And finally, mental health advocate and public speaker, Ella Shea shares her story of grief, trauma, and lack of self-care. She is the author of From Broken to Beautifully Broken, where she shares her story of working through trauma and focusing on self-care. We're going to learn how she's helping others who suffer mental health challenges to actually focus on their own self-care. So let's all grab our coffee, get comfortable, and get ready to get inspired. I love it. Let's go. Our first guest pivoted from a career in medicine to media and her own show where she helps others become successful. Welcome Dr. Letitia Wright to our show. Thank you so much for having me. It's fantastic to have you. And let's talk about with the new year fast approaching, many are contemplating change, right? The new year's resolutions. Can you share your personal experience of transitioning from a career in medicine to becoming a media and TV host? What advice do you have for individuals who are considering a career pivot? That's a big deal. That is a huge pivot. People often ask me, 
how did you make that happen? Like, how did you go from this to that? For me, the story was that I was struggling as a physician. I was looking for someone to mentor me, to help me with my practice, help me learn all the ins and outs. And I literally, no matter where I turned, people were not interested in helping me. I even turned to a practice management company, which is a company that comes in and helps doctors. Back then they would help doctors, you know, get their act together inside the practice and do whatever it takes to get enough patients. I had some patients, but it wasn't really growing and thriving like it should be. And they called me and said, hey, we've got your application. And I got really excited. I got my pen and my paper because I thought they were going to tell me the days that the consultant was going to come in. And the person on the phone said, Dr. Wright, you don't make enough money to be one of our clients. Mm. Oh, Nice. That that really puts it into perspective, doesn't it? So at that point, yes, what what yes. you, what'd so you do? At that point, I just thought, wow, I I don't have anywhere to go. Back then, there weren't any books, and there weren't mastermind groups, and they're just you know, I had felt like I had exhausted all of the help I could exhaust, could do. But I had done something on the side where I had been a guest on a local television show and that had gone really well. And I had gone back to start a health show thinking that that would help me bring in more clients. And it did, and it kind of worked out and then it turned into the right place TV show and it was getting sponsorship. And I sat down and just waited and I thought, this TV show is this close to being in the black and making money. It was making money, but it was just so close to not draining my pocket, whereas my practice was creating a huge drain on the pockets. And I decided to close the practice. I sat down with my entire family, my parents, everybody, and I calmly told them what I had decided to do. Now, I've been saying I wanted to be a doctor since I was three years old. So I literally grew up to be exactly what I said it would be. And so they were all just quiet when I told them. They didn't, nobody raised any questions. I don't know if they thought I was having a mental breakdown or what, <laughs> but they were just very quiet about it. And, uh, but they weren't the new, normal supportive. But I just said, you know, the tough times in the practice have just beaten the love and desire for this out of me. I really want to see if I can take this TV show somewhere. So, That's incredible. But did you pull the Band-Aid all the way off and you just said, I'm not going to be practicing anymore, I'm not going to do anything like that, and I'm going to go full steam ahead into the show? Or did you kind of like one toe in the water? No, I pulled the Band-Aid off because I had, after this person said, you don't even make enough to, I, I didn't even make enough money to qualify to have somebody help me. I was like, I, I'm done. I, I don't know what else to do. You know, well, I what went about to... Yeah. What about those out there, though, like you're talking about, right? You're sharing your story. And it was kind of like you went through this education, you went after your passion, your dream, and it didn't work out the way that you wanted. Life took you another way and you decided to go that way. But what can you tell someone? How can you help someone that is trying to make a change out of there? out of their existing career or life and doesn't help them to not be fearful of that. Right. Doesn't know how to do that first step. The first step. So you can pivot. You don't have to change it completely. One of the pivots I did while I was still practicing is that I had created this practice 
where I was a liaison. I made up the name. I was a liaison at jazz festivals. I was at the Maui Music Fest, the Catalina Jazz Festival for years and years. I was a person who I, I convinced the people that put on the jazz festival that when the musicians come in, they are a little bit frazzled. They might need a massage. Maybe the, the guitarist would oh. need their hands massaged. But I convinced one festival to let me come in and do that. And then uh, what I didn't realize is that the other festival owners will visit each other's festivals and see what each other's doing. And so they were asking people, you know, well, what's she doing? Or people would come up to me and say, what am I doing? And I didn't know they were the owners of another jazz festival. And I would tell them what I was doing. So the owners of the Catalina Jazz Fest asked me to come over. So there were many, many years where I was over there three weekends a year and uh, taking care of all the artists that came through. And so that was a slight pivot that helped me keep uh, the practice interesting and help me really kind of stay into it. But you can do little pivots. You don't have to do a full change. And that's what pivoting is about, is a small pivot in what you do. Now, you also, in terms of pivoting, you also are helping a lot of people out there with crowdfunding. Can you tell us a little bit more about that? So I started with crowdfunding back in 2010. So I had seen some things with crowdfunding, and then I had a friend who crowdfunded his book. The book was called A Pug Named Fender. And so I watched him go through this process. And as I watched the process, I really understood that coming out of the you know, 2008 recession, oh, this is what entrepreneurs could use to get money because it was very difficult to get money from banks. And I saw it as something entrepreneurs could use to get alternative money. And I was very curious about it. I started studying it. Back then, literally, there were two books on Amazon about crowdfunding. And they were very confused. But I bought those books. I read those books. And then um, I looked around for other material. There wasn't any other material. And so I called 10 friends and said, um, I'm going to do this in crowdfunding. I know you don't know what it is, but it's raising money for your business. You know me. I'm not someone who's going to you know, rip you off. So how do you feel about you know, letting me raise money for your business? So I did these 10 trials. And uh, six were great. Four crashed and burned so hard you can still see the smoke. And uh, I learned a whole lot. I learned. I just took notes from each thing, and I learned how it really, really worked. I did go to a couple of classes that I saw people giving, but I realized quickly realized that these people had never crowdfunded. They were just teaching and making up stuff. They were like, oh, Kickstarter checks you out and they will make sure that you are the, Kickstarter does none of that. Hmm. So, so um, let me ask you this. So crowdfunding, that is something that you're now doing for others, right? Mm-hmm. So what you are showing is that you had this purpose, this dream, and life took you in a different direction. And it is possible to pivot. It's possible to follow another dream, a new chapter in life. And you are showing that it's also possible with crowdfunding because it's so scary and so many people are are working towards being an entrepreneur. And they can't afford it. They can't and afford it. Letitia's so, doing an outstanding job with the pivots and helping people realize that they exactly. don't. Exactly. There is an option. There is a way 
to have people support them financially. Yeah. So thank you, Letitia, for coming on and giving us all hope that we can go after our dreams, especially with the new year right around the corner, because everyone's thinking about that and leaving the old behind. So thank you for showing it's possible. Thank you so much for having me. Have a great holiday. You too. too. Bye-bye. Up next, we're going to meet Julie DeLuca Collins. She shares some habits that we can all use to help build that self-confidence. Plus, mental health advocate Ella Scher shares her story and how focusing on self-care can help people struggling with mental health issues. Joining us now is Julie DeLuca Collins, a speaker, business coach, and author who empowers entrepreneurs to build and grow their confidence so they can create successful businesses. Welcome. Welcome. Ladies, thank you for having me. I am so honored to be with you today. Uh, well, we love having you, and we want to dive right in and ask, why is helping others with confidence so important to you? Did you have an issue with confidence at a time in your life? You know, I was a very outgoing, outspoken, gregarious young girl, and all of a sudden, things started to happen in my life, and I lost my confidence for a bit mm. and refound it. I climbed the corporate ladder, but one of the things that I kept hearing from many women is, I wish I was as confident as you are. And I thought, I don't have it all together all the time. And I wanted to normalize for others that confidence is not about being born with it, is not about being special, but it's about showing up. And it's about doing the difficult things, even if it's one time in practicing. And the more that you practice, you become more confident. Well, you talk often about tiny habits and building these tiny habits helps you to increase that feeling of confidence and conviction. How do you do that? I'm glad you ask as a tiny habits coach. And again, I have to give a shout out to Dr. BJ Fogg, the author of the book, Tiny Habits. He's a behavioral scientist. And one of the things that he has taught us is that the anatomy of a habit requires you to number to A, have the ability to do a behavior. Number two, you want to go ahead and conduct the behavior and last celebrate the behavior because change requires us to feel good. Our brain is only going to change when we feel good. But for most of us, when we spend time beating ourselves up because we didn't do the thing, it's going to be very difficult for us to create the behaviors we want. Now, Tiny Habits, it's about starting small, something doable, something that doesn't require motivation. Most of us, like especially in January, go all in on a new habit, starting something new. And what happens is when motivation leaves us, then the difficult behavior that maybe we weren't doing before is something that's going to fall through the wayside. So for that reason, if we just start something tiny, small, and do it when we have something that is a prompt that reminds us to do it and celebrate it, we're going to find that we're going to be more successful at creating the habits that we wanted, creating the new little tiny wins, because these tiny wins eventually add up to something new and great. So when you're trying to build up confidence, there's always going to be that point where you get a little bit uncomfortable, right? Because you're pushing against the the outer layers. 
Are there any tips that keep you going through that discomfort level? I want to remind the listeners and the viewers that the biggest thing that they need to do is remind themselves that your brain is trying to keep you safe. When you're in an uncomfortable situation, when something is new, it really is part of the process. If you think about it, when we were young and we were learning to ride a bike, we didn't know how to do that, but we kept pushing through because we kept cheering ourselves or maybe a parent that was helping us was cheering us on. What we do is keep going when we're being cheered, right? Because as I said, we're going to change when we feel good. But as adults, we don't take the time to celebrate our wins, to say, you did this, good job, and remind us that when we're uncomfortable, it's because we're a beginner. And if we start to notice that and then neutralize the thought, right? First, we notice a thought. And second, we neutralize it. We say, oh, I am thinking that I'm not good at this. I am thinking that this is hard. Then what you're going to start to see is that all of a sudden, you are going to feel maybe the fear, maybe the discomfort of doing something new. But you will begin to do it because it's become a habit. Mm -hmm. And you will have the evidence that you're able to show up you're able to do these things and your confidence will incrementally change. The most important thing is really being able to understand that you're not broken because you're uncomfortable. And even if you fail, remind yourself that this is part of the process and that a failure is our ability to be able to learn and to do better in our next effort. Where can we find more if somebody has any questions or wants to you know, ask you, work with you, where can we go? Ladies, thank you again for having me. The best way to find me is you can go to goconfidentlycoaching.com or you can find me on any of the social media platforms and that's Julie DeLuca Collins. And I hope that people can tune in also to my podcast. That's another way that people can connect with me. The podcast is Casa de Confidence. And you can hear myself talk about confidence, talk with our guests about confidence, but also you'll get to get a glimpse at my hashtag handsome hot husband, who is my producer and co-host. And we love talking <laughs> confidence in all these platforms. Awesome. Thank you so much, Julie, for coming on Julie, the show. Julie, what a great amount of tips that you've just given us. It was really, and I need to go check out that, <laughs> that link. <hot> <laughs> Good stuff. Thank you, ladies. Bye-bye. Next, we meet mental health advocate and public speaker, Ella Scheer. She educates us on how self-care can help your mental health. Joining us now is mental health advocate, public speaker, the author of From Broken to Beautifully Broken, Ella Shea. Welcome to Wake Up with Marcy and Hillary. It's so nice to meet you guys. I'm so excited to be here. Thank you for having me. So really quick, I have to ask you, From Broken to Beautifully Broken, what an amazing title to the book. Thank it you so is, much. It, it resonated so much with me. Oh, I'm Where so glad you, to hear that. How did you come up with that? So, um, I actually, in March of 2022, I entered, um, an eating disorder program at mm -hmm. Robert Wood Johnson. Um, and that's sort of where my book evolved. But essentially I learned that all of the things in my life that I thought had broken me 
really didn't have to make me a victim. Mm -hmm. I can use those experiences as something to learn from and to grow from. And we're never going to be 100% perfect. We're Mm -hmm. never going to be this best version of ourselves where there's no flaws or no issues. So I thought, why not be beautifully broken? So Mm -hmm. I've, I've noticed my flaws. I'm working on them. And even though I have them, I'm still beautiful. And I think everyone can can be the same. That so that's where the title came from. That message is so important. Yeah. And you talk often about self-care. Yes. And how do, it's, it's an overused concept right now. It how, is. And, and you have a different take on it. How do, you, how do you really get someone to start to understand how important self-care really is? So I think when people think of the word self-care, it's sometimes confused with being selfish, especially as a parent or a spouse, um, to take time for yourself and close the bedroom door for five minutes. Mm -hmm. You may feel like you're not doing your job as a parent. You're not doing your job as a mother. Um, So I think it's very important. It doesn't have to be this big show. You don't need two hours, you know, at a spa every single day for self-care. It's little tiny moments through the day that help you to, to maintain the best version of yourself. So even if it's having a cup of coffee for five minutes in the morning without someone asking you a question, or even if it's just getting in your car for a few minutes and listening to your favorite song just to, you know, get your emotions regulated and get back to your best self. I think that self-care doesn't have to be so complicated. It can be little simple things that can change your mood slightly and change the whole trajectory of your day, your week, your month. Take us back a little bit. Okay. Like what happened for you? Were you not taking care of yourself? I mean, even before you realized you had a problem, how did that unfold for you? Because a lot of times when we share about our trauma and what has happened to us, it truly helps somebody out there. So what led you to where you were harming yourself in many ways? And how did you find the strength to move past that and start getting help for yourself and really focusing on the self-care for yourself, which is what you're trying to now teach others? So it's funny because why I had such a lack of self-care is not even something I was aware of until I was in treatment. Um, During like lockdown and isolation during COVID, I sort of started to let myself go and I fell into a lot of my eating disorder tendencies. I suffered from an eating disorder for about 25 years um, and never had gotten treatment for it prior. Um, This time was different. This time I had three kids. I was burning the candle at both ends um, and I really didn't have, I didn't have the strength to move on any further. I was near organ failure. Mm. Um, I did not choose to go to treatment on my own. Mm -hmm. I still thought I was fine. Mm -hmm. Um, My family really had that conversation with me and my children were ultimately the reason why I put myself into treatment. It was there that I realized my traumas went all the way back to when I was a little girl. And, And my traumas went back to Literally, when I was four years old, I was in a nearly fatal car accident Mm. um, that left me with severe facial scarring. Mm. It was never an issue for me until about middle school when I started getting bullied um, for my scar. Um, And that continued pretty much up until high school. Um, 
I had a lot of anxiety in, involved with, you yeah. know, being bullied, a lot of, of depression. Um, and I didn't really understand those emotions because, you know, talking about them out loud, mm -hmm. um, there was a lot of shame associated with those feelings. Sure. And, you know, there was a lot of stigma associated with them. So I sort of kept them to myself. Um, and instead of getting the proper help that I needed, I, you know, chose other avenues, other vices. Right. And so, that's what we do. We exactly. cope in other ways and we end up hurting ourselves even more. So what do you hope that people get through your book? I want them to know that it's okay to use your voice. So I hope that my book is the voice for somebody who hasn't found theirs yet. I want them to read my story, find a relatable moment and think to themselves, I can do this. Mm -hmm. I can find my voice. I can use my voice to advocate for myself. And I'm not the only one out there that's suffering from all of these things. And, and it's not just traumas, it's life challenges in general, parenting, Absolutely. divorce, starting yeah. over, all of those things. You know, if you have a good support system and somebody who can help you through those and understand you, it makes the journey so much easier. And I just want to be that for people. Yeah. So thank you again. And I can't wait to uh, read it myself. So much to learn. Thank you for coming on. Thank you Thanks. so much for so having much. me. I loved meeting you guys. Thank you. Just really a great show. I learned so much and I'm just really excited about the new year. And you know what? Merry Christmas to all those that celebrate. And happy Hanukkah. Uh, exactly. We just had Hanukkah holidays. and there's so many beautiful holidays. And we just really wish you all the best and the most beautiful time with your families, with your friends, with those that are important to you. But remember that you are the most important person. Remember to be kind to yourself and kind to others. And wake up to all those possibilities that are coming your way in this new year. Merry Christmas, happy holidays, and happy new year, everyone. We'll see you soon. Happy new year.